0: Good evening. It has now shifted. We went from all being on this side this morning, now we're all on this side tonight. Balance <laughs> <Bounce> things <legs> out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a few years ago, I went to a gospel meeting at the Wood Church of Christ in Woodbury. And it's one of my favorite places to go. I just love the little church there. And uh, so I went to this gospel meeting, and everybody was packed in on one side of the church. And I mean, it was packed. I mean, they were all in there. The seats were practically full. I didn't really want to sit that close to everybody. So I decided I'd just go over and sit on the other side. And they made fun of me so much. (laughs) Like it's the sheep and the goats, isn't it? (laughs) Which one are you? (laughs) But anyway... We had a good time with it. Alright, so tonight's lesson is a continuation from last week, Hearts of the Bible. And as we look at different hearts that we find in Scripture, we realize that there are some hearts that are good, some hearts that are not so good, some that are not as dedicated as others are. And so we're continuing our study from last week. Last week we looked at hearts that were good, the hearts that God desires of Christians and of His people. And tonight we're going to look at the opposite end of the coin, if you will. We're going to look at hearts that do not please God. And one of the things that I want us to do is that as we go through these different hearts, compare them to your own. And be honest with yourself. If, if one of these hearts describes you to make changes in your life to make your heart right with God. I told Hugh to sing that song, Is Our Heart Right With God because it goes so well with the lesson. I don't know if he forgot that this morning or if he just wanted to sing it. I don't know. Anyway, we'll sing it again tonight just because it goes with the lesson so well. So far, what we have looked at in review we looked at the hearts that are pleasing to God. We started with the honest and sincere heart. The one who is dedicated to God that serves Him in sincerity and truth. We looked at a prayerful heart. Oftentimes we find ourselves in difficult situations. And and maybe we, we have different desires that we would like for our own lives or for those around us. And so we give those in petition to God. We even thought about Jesus and His prayer of anguish and how important that was to us because it shows us the, the deep the deep anguish that was in His heart. And He took it to God in prayer. And God wants us to have a prayerful heart. He also wants us to have the heart of a servant. We looked at David and how he was called a man after God's own heart. David was a servant. and We need to be spiritually minded in such a way that we want to serve God all the days of our lives. We need to have a heart of love and compassion. Sometimes we see that, that maybe we don't have the love for God or the love for other people the way that we should. We need to show love toward one another. The greatest command, after all, is love. Love for God and love for our neighbor. And we looked at the heart of endurance, we realized that, that we are fighting a war We are running a race. These are some of the, the analogies that are given in Scripture. We need to endure. Whatever trials we may be facing, we need to endure. So we need a heart of endurance. But now tonight we're going to look at hearts that are not pleasing to God. I first want us to notice the heart of unfaithfulness. The heart of unfaithfulness. I'm reminded of certain individuals who were not faithful to God or not faithful to His command. And one of those examples that I think about is found in Genesis 19. Genesis 19, we'll begin reading at verse 15. We're going to look at a woman that that isn't given a name in Scripture, but she is very well known, very well remembered. I think you'll remember the scripture. Genesis 19 and verse 15. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, And they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass, when they had brought them outside, that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, Please know, my lords, indeed now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See now, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, and that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, And what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him. And she became a pillar of salt. Lot's wife is very well remembered for her unfaithfulness (coughs) to the command that was given. They were clearly told, were they not? Don't look back. Don't look behind you. But she did. For whatever reason, whether it was something that that she was wondering what it looked like and what was happening, I don't know. But for whatever reason, she looked back. And she was turned into a pillar of salt. Why a pillar of salt? That's, That's under God's control. But she was punished for what she did. Luke 17 verses 31 through 33 says this. Luke 17 verse 31. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. She's remembered even in the New Testament as an example of unfaithfulness. She's not the only one, however, that was unfaithful. We read of others. Demas comes to mind. Demas is interesting. We're only told about him in three passages, I believe. And as we look at the three passages, we see that it's almost like two different people that we're looking at. We see him as a servant of the Lord, as a worker, a missionary. And as we look at him in one of the mentions here is in Colossians chapter 4. And in Colossians chapter 4, we see him as a faithful servant. Colossians 4 and verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. In Philemon chapter 1 verses 23 and 24, says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. And then we have this mention in Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. Second Timothy 4 and verse 10. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. It has departed for Thessalonica, Cretans for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Demas has forsaken me. That's not the way that I would want to be remembered. As a matter of fact, if I think in my mind, outside of this study, the only mention that I remember is in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. Demas has forsaken me. And we don't know what happened to him after that. Maybe he turned back. Maybe in the way that John Mark had left the work and, and returned and, and Paul saw him as profitable for the ministry. We don't know. But we do understand that his love for the world was greater at this time at least than his love for God. And he's not the only mention of unfaithfulness either. There's another one that I thought of that I thought I would add. Another representation of unfaithfulness. We, we have so far seen that by turning back, we can be unfaithful. By, by forsaking the work, we can be unfaithful. And there are other ways as well. In Acts chapter 17, Paul addresses uh, another way that we can be unfaithful to God. And one of those ways is in our, if we're not careful, in our dedication to idols. We have to be very careful of idolatry. And in Acts 17 and verse 22, Paul addresses a group of people that were given over to idolatry. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said in verse 22 of Acts 17, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious, For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore the one whom you worship without knowing Him, I proclaim to you. To the unknown God. They didn't even know who God really was. Sometimes that can be where we stand as well. have to be very careful of the idols within our lives. They can also turn us away from God. The dishonest heart is another heart to avoid. The dishonest heart. In Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 34, we read of Something that happened. And we're going to read of two individuals in particular that we're very familiar with. But in Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 34, and then we'll read into chapter 5. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. Let's we'll skip into verse one, chapter five. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also, being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Have you not lied to you have not lied to men, but to God? And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. The read in the next few verses that Sapphire came in and said the same. They had agreed together to tell this lie. They both lied about the proceeds that were received from selling property. This was supposed to be a good occasion The church had come together. They were helping those in need. They were selling things so that they could help other people. And that's the way the church should work. They had a great love and compassion for one another. And Ananias and Sapphira used it in the wrong way. They thought to bring glory to themselves. Well, look at how much we've done. But they were dishonest in their heart. Though they thought they were lying to the apostles and maybe to the Christians around them, what they didn't realize is that they were actually lying to God. And if we're not careful, it's easy for us to do. Have you ever done something and maybe felt a little bit guilty about it? So you kept thinking in your mind, well, you know, maybe it wasn't that bad. And, and eventually you can really think your, yourself into believing that you're justified in what you've done. It's easy to do. But be honest with yourself. Be honest with your heart. Be honest with God. Don't seek to justify something that isn't right. Make sure your heart is right with God. He knows all. Revelation 21 and verse 8 with Cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually immoral sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death. Do not be of a dishonest heart. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to anyone else. We see the punishment for lying even. Seems like a small thing, doesn't it? Not in God's eyes. Then we have the sinful heart. The heart that is full of, of evil thinking and and, and evil feeling. We need to avoid the sinful heart. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Let's look at beginning with verse 21. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. In verse 27, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart, we talked about this a little bit this morning. We understand that that one of the messages that Jesus presented to his people was that that sometimes paying attention to the letter of the law, you, you may miss the point of the sin altogether. In this case he speaks of murder and adultery. And what they understood was that if you were to kill somebody, if you were to murder them, to take their life, then you have sinned. As far as adultery was concerned, what they understood was that if you commit the act of adultery, you have sinned. But Jesus went deeper. He went into the heart. Do not hate someone. Murder begins with hatred. Do not hold hatred in your heart. Adultery. Adultery begins with lust. Do not have a lustful eye. Do not keep lust within your heart. Whatever is within the heart is what leads us to do wrong. If we have the wrong things in our heart, it leads us to do wrong. If we have the right things in our heart, then it leads us to do those things that please God. But sin, regardless of what sin it is, begins in the heart. We need to be careful is the type of heart that we have. We cannot have an unfaithful heart. We cannot have a heart that, that turns back at the first sign of trouble. We cannot have a dishonest heart, a lying heart. And we cannot have a sinful heart. If we're going to avoid sin, we must keep those feelings of sin out of our heart. Make sure that our heart is pleasing to God. I want to address something else for the rest of our lesson though. I want to address the hearts that are found in the church. Have you ever thought about the heart of the church? I believe that every congregation has a certain heart about it. And there are certain characteristics of each congregation that that we can see that that may work well and that we may find certain characteristics in a congregation that that are not what God wants. The best examples I think are found in Revelation chapters two and three. And if you'd like to turn there and follow along with some of these verses. Revelation chapter two. Begin with hearts that pleased God. There are a list of seven churches, the seven churches of Asia. And we use this to compare ourselves as congregations often to the congregations that are listed here. and Make sure that our congregation is what God wants it to be. And each of these congregations, if you will, has a heart. Has a certain heart about it. And there are certain hearts about these congregations that please God, and there are certain hearts about these congregations that do not please God. First of all, the hearts that please God. The heart of the church of Smyrna. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. This was the persecuted church. And and we find that this was a a, a solid congregation from everything that is mentioned about it. They had been through so much trouble and poverty and, and all kinds of different things that they were facing. They were being persecuted. But it says, but you are rich. This congregation had the heart of endurance, I believe. That even in time of persecution, they were enduring. They were doing what was right. This congregation was pleasing in the eye of God. Another heart of a congregation that pleased God is in the church of Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 3. that is verses 8 through 10. Revelation 3 and verse 8. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength. I've kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you, because you have kept my command. Persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. This was the faithful church. They had a heart of faithfulness. They had a heart that they were doing what God wanted them to do. The other congregations that are listed within these seven churches though were not pleasing to God in one way or another. We have the church of Ephesus found in Revelation 2. We'll read verses 2 through 4. Revelation 2 and verse 2. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. They seemed to be doing everything right. They were standing for the truth solidly. They were, were withstanding those who taught falsely. They were we were doing everything that they needed to do as a congregation except what was in their heart. They were what we know as the loveless church. They had left their first love. They lost their love for God and I believe they lost their love for man somewhere in all of these things. They thought they were right. But love is so important. We read at the church of Pergamos in Revelation 2, beginning with verse 13. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. who are known as the church of compromise. They had compromised God's will for teachings, That were not true. Cannot have a heart of compromise when it comes to God's word and God's will. There is no compromise. It's either His way or the highway. You choose. But do not have a heart of compromise. The church of Thyatira, we read in Revelation 2, verse, uh, and I. Messed up on my verses because I just put the, the wrong one in. Revelation chapter 2. This is why I keep a Bible up here. Revelation chapter 2. Alright, here we go. We'll start reading at verse 18. Revelation 2 and verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and His feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idol. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am He who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your work. The church of Thyatira, as we read, was known as the corrupt church. It allowed sin within their hearts and within their assemblies, within their people. And that was not to be tolerated. We cannot have a corrupt heart within the church. The Church of Sardis is a read in Revelation chapter three and verse one, "I know your works that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead." They too, thought they were right with God. They thought that everything was going okay. They thought they were alive. They were doing the things to keep the church alive. But yet, they were dead that we're not serving in the way that God wanted them to because of their heart. cannot have a dead heart and serve God faithfully. And finally we have the church of Laodicea. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. They were in the middle. They weren't completely dead, but they weren't completely alive either. They weren't completely serving God, but they weren't not serving God either. They were in the middle. And maybe this is even one of the worst. Parts of the church that, that we read about. You are neither cold nor hot. I will vomit you out of my mouth. The church of Laodicea. was seen as lukewarm. We cannot be lukewarm Christians. We cannot be a lukewarm church. We must be serving God faithfully to the best of our abilities. So as we look at the hearts of the different churches, which one compares to us as a congregation? I hope that we're the faithful, maybe even the persecuted, but still enduring. But if we have a heart that is otherwise, then we need to change. And each of these hearts can be found in individuals, not just in congregations, but it begins in individuals. We have to make sure that our lives as Christians are right in the sight of God. What is your heart like tonight? Do you have a heart like one of the ones that, that we talked about last week? Do you have a good heart? A heart that is serving God faithfully that is doing everything to, to please Him? Or do you have a heart of unfaithfulness or dishonesty or sin do you have any of the, of the characteristics within you that, that even describe these churches that we mentioned here tonight where is your heart is thy heart right with God if your heart is not right with God for whatever reason if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, and we give you the opportunity to come. If you need to come in obedience, we give you the opportunity to do that. If you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins, we'll be glad to take care of that need for you. Maybe you need to come and rededicate your life to Christ. Maybe you need to, to make sure that your heart is right with Him. Maybe you need prayers from the church to ask for forgiveness for something that you've done. But whatever your need is, we always offer the Lord's invitation after our services. And we do so because we never know the hearts of those who are gathered. If your heart is not right with God, we give you the opportunity to come. And together we stand as we sing.